you for uh, joining us this week for the Inner Circle podcast. Uh, my guest is John Sawyer from IOActive. Uh, so, John, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is John Sawyer. I'm Associate Director of Services at IOActive, and my focus is around red teaming. So I joined the company about a year ago, and so my, my priorities are really around uh, our red team services and building up our, our team and uh, making sure we have the best of the best out there. Very good. So let's start. Um, I, I think I think most of the TechSpective audience uh, probably has an understanding, but just in case there are some who don't, um, can you talk a little bit about what red teaming is? And then we can also go into a, a, a sort of, I guess, a trivia sort of question that I have, which is, is there an actual distinction between what used to be referred to as penetration testing and what is now referred to as you know, red team assessments, red team exercises, or is that just a rebranding of the same thing? So let's start with you know what is a red you know what is red teaming? Sure. So red red teaming is essentially adversarial simulation, and it's it's taking a look at an organization's defenses. You know, determining you know what level of protections do they have in place? What are the most likely avenues of attack? Uh, who are the threat groups that are out there uh, who are targeting uh, them as a company or them as an industry? And we look at that and we put together a threat model and an attack plan that really kind of looks at all those avenues and what are the most likely avenues that someone's going to come at them. And this can be either through the people, the processes, or the technology. So it can you know, take a, the form of social engineering through phishing. It could be phone calls. It could be uh, phishing campaigns where they're sending in uh, malicious email attachments or you know, uh, something along the lines of a watering hole attack. Really, it's, it's whatever's going to be realistic and really flex the organization's incident response and security program. I mean, the goal here is to uh, determine an organization's readiness for uh, an incident and whether or not they're prepared. And the, the red team is there to exercise the blue team and help them become better in the end. Okay. So so in that scenario, I mean, basically, the, you know, so the, the red team are uh, the, uh, they're, they're the bad guys. They're the simulated bad guys. So you're coming in there as like, you know, we're, we're the attackers and then your job is to not let us attack you. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, so, so in that scenario, I'm assuming the blue team is that's, that's just the, in, the, the, the customer's internal IT and IT security people who, I, I, do they do they know you're attacking? Like, you know, like are they in on it? Like, they they know that there's going to be an exercise coming up and they should be paying attention, or is it just out of the blue? Because that would actually be a more realistic scenario. Uh, you're absolutely correct. It is uh, typically out of the blue. It's uh, red teams are typically done uh, more long term, and it's done in a in a fashion that only uh, a couple of folks within the organization uh, know about it. And so the whole idea is that yes, you are testing their readiness. You're testing their security program, their incident responders. So if they know something's up and they know something's coming, they're going to be you know maybe looking a little more diligent or 
uh, you know, focusing on, on logs or maybe tweaking those controls just a little more to make sure that they have the visibility. And, and our goal is really to test if that's already there. You know, are they right. are they vigilant? Are they you know monitoring these things? Uh, do they have full visibility down to the endpoint? You know, if we get code execution, can they see that? Right, which makes perfect sense because, you know, like I say, if I'm the if I'm the uh, you know VP of IT or whatever, and I call you guys in, uh, and I want you to assess my security, you know, my my security posture, uh, it's not a valid test if I first go tell everyone, hey, guess what? On Tuesday at 2 p.m., uh, you know, this is going down, um, and you know, because that that kind of reminds me, uh, you know, when I was when I was in the Air Force, whenever we would have uh, whenever the inspector general was coming, we knew about it. And so we knew, okay, the inspector general is coming next week. And literally we would change everything we did <laughs> to, you know, be like, oh, hey, you know, you know, all those rules that we usually just kind of like ignore. And we, you know, those, you know we, we decided that those aren't a big deal. Well, next week they're a big deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you know how we, you know, we, we never actually clean up the, the parking lot outside the building. Well, for next week, we're going to clean up the parking lot outside the building because, you know, there's people coming and it's like okay well then that's no longer a valid inspection you know like I, I always felt like the inspector general should just show up unannounced otherwise he's not inspecting you <laughs> you're just showing off for him exactly exactly and that's and that's really uh, the, the best point here is that um, it's going in and looking at your everyday normal operations you know these are things that they should get caught. You should have the protections or you should have the logging and the visibility uh, to be able to to detect these actions. And, uh, you know, if you're only really diligent or paying attention that one week a year when you're having a test, you know, what's going on for the rest of the time? Right. Um, So when you when you are operating as the red team, I mean, when, when you first set that up with a customer you go in and you're, you're you're pitching the services and you're saying look this is what we're going to do um are there are there ground rules established are there things that you consider to be out of bounds for attacking or 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 is it you know just hey you know we're, we're literally going to act as any attacker would which means we can do whatever we want to get into your network Well, the nice thing about the red team services are that they're fully customizable. So we can really adapt it to whatever environment or target we're going after. And so, you know, we might have an industry who, you know, this particular client is is very concerned about uh, nation state attacks because they have some kind of involvement with critical infrastructure. You know, so maybe they uh, they have us coming in and simulating specific uh, advanced threat groups. You know, if you take a look at the MITRE attack framework, they do a fantastic job of of documenting the the different types of uh, techniques that are being used by different threat actors out there. And so, you know, we can design a, an attack that will mimic these same types of of actions in order to determine if those defenses are are effective and whether or not you know they can, they can see these types of attacks. Okay, when when all is said and done, and you know, so you've, you've, you've gone through the whole exercise and you kind of put together your report of, okay, this is what we did, this is how far we got. Um, aside from just ident- identifying for the customer, like 
you know, here's a weakness, here's a weakness, here's a weakness. These are these are the kind of the, thing, the things that we were able to exploit to, to gain access to your network. Do you also offer any uh, support or assistance to the blue team? Do you like sit down with them to say, okay, look, here's what you could have done differently or should have done differently? Yes. So in the typical red teams uh, scenario, uh, there will always be a debrief at the end with the blue team. You know, there's going to be status updates throughout the the project with the trusted agent or the point of contact uh, for the client. Uh, so there's there's regular communications and progress and you know uh, discussions on whether additional resources or information might be needed from the client to uh, the team doing the work. Uh, there's also um, I, I lost my <laughs> lost my thought for a moment there. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, well, uh, so uh, let, me, let me shift gears a little. Um, sure. When when we when we uh, had an opportunity at uh, at RSA earlier this year to chat, um, I think one, you know one of the things we talked about was uh, you know some of the ways to gain physical access too. So is that part of what you know? And, and actually, maybe this ties back into my earlier trivia question of the distinction between. The concept of penetration testing and, the, and, and a red team, um, and like I don't want to, I don't want to sway what your answer would be on that distinction. So let me start there. Like, what, do you think there's a distinction between uh, penetration testing and red team exercise? I do. Yes, and I think I think if you look back at the history of of penetration testing and and you know the the birth of ethical hacking in the late '90s, that that really gave gave uh, way to testing that included everything. You know, I think in the beginning we did test everything and part of the concept came from the military who had red teams for quite a long time. And, and so what happened with penetration testing is that once we've got commercialization around it, uh, you know, it started being packaged up into services, now it becomes a bit of a commodity and, and you're making it piecemeal projects and so each penetration test might be focused on a particular location or a technology or a new application or something like that. And it doesn't really give a, an organization the, the, the perspective of the real risk of vulnerabilities that are found in it. You know, for example, <clears throat> if I'm only looking at, you know, the external network or I'm only looking at this new mobile application, you know, what what does the real risk of the vulnerabilities that we find in those things uh, mean to the organization? Is it something that an attacker can uh, tear wide open and, and go uh, deeper and gain access to the crown jewels? You know, is there an opportunity to escalate privileges, um, you know, maintain stealth, d dive deep and steal everything? You know, that's that's what we're focusing more on the red team side. With a pin test, it's typically one area. Um, you may do a little bit of exploitation and, and a tiny bit of post-exploitation, depending on the, the testing, the tester's uh, skill level. But that's about it. You know, it's not with the red team. We start chaining all these different attacks together, so that it may be a combination of physical access combined with social engineering, with maybe NAC bypass that gets us, uh, you know, command and control coming out of the network, and from there. You know, we may be able to maintain persistence for for weeks and, and then act on our objective. And really with the red team, there's there's always some type of objective or mission at the end. You know, the idea is that, you know, we are trying to see 
it from beginning to end and and really make that realization of the risk uh, noticeable or impactful to the client. And uh, in the end, you know, we it's our role to tell that story to the client. You know, our report will detail that out in a in a attack narrative that describes everything from beginning to end. Okay, so so I think that more or less fits. Uh, in my mind, the distinction between the pen, uh, you know, the traditional concept of penetration testing and a red team uh, basically comes down to sort of the rules of engagement. Like I consider penetration testing to be something that I can do sitting here from my desk, um, and I can I can go out and start, you know, doing recon and trying to poke holes in, you know, Bank of America's network or whatever, and and that you know and that that will prove something i mean i can i can prove to an extent okay look i tried to poke holes in your in your network and i couldn't do it therefore you know you you seem to be relatively safe from an attack from a guy sitting at his desk in houston but where the red team is in my mind a little bit different is if i take the gloves off and i say okay well no i'm allowed to do like basically whatever i want which means i can also just show up at a bank of america office building social engineer my way inside sit down at an unoccupied desk and gain access to the network that way. And and that I feel is a, a much more comprehensive, it's a much it's a much more realistic, I think, uh, assessment of, of the defenses because it's not, it's sort of a, uh, uh, gives you a false sense of security. If you just do the penetration testing and you say, oh, well, from the outside, you know, from, from the public internet, we're safe. So we're good. Um, but if I come in and I say, okay, yeah, yeah, you're safe on the public internet side, but there's 25 other ways I can just walk into your office and do this. Uh, that's a different story. Yes, uh, I I agree with you completely there, and and I we see this all the time. Um, <clears throat> you know, for example, uh, I've got two guys on site right now that are uh, part of a multi-phase red team assessment, and uh, they're performing on-site physical penetration testing and social engineering. Uh, they had already performed some phishing prior to going on site. So they've set themselves up for success. They've been able to gain credentials through a fished user. And then last night they went inside, gained physical access to the, the data center uh, and was able to sit down at several machines, log in with those credentials that were stolen during the phishing. And uh, they'll be going back in tonight to do some additional uh, work and, and uh, persistence. Yeah, I mean, so like back in the day when I was, you know, working in the security consulting side, I was not in the role of penetration testing or or red teaming. Um, I was doing other uh, security stuff, but I was working with—I won't name them—I was working with like a you know Fortune 100 company, mm-hmm. um, and I was working at their facility. So you know, I had I had a badge to get into the building, um, but I realized as I would do that every morning and I kind of watched and I was like, you know, they, they say you're not supposed to shoulder surf into the building, but everyone does. Cause there's, you know, a whole flow of people all walking in together. So not everyone's stopping to scan their badge. And so basically you could just kind of go in with the flow and walk into the building and nobody's going to stop you. And then once you're inside, there were empty desks all over the place that had computers. I mean, so I used to like think about it that way. I, I'd, I'd like look at the situation as I was walking in and say, you know, if I wanted to, I could very easily come in here and do whatever I want. Oh, sure. And and we demonstrate this all the time. Uh, I was on site uh, uh, just before uh, going to Vegas for Black Hat and DEF CON this year. And uh, this was a financial trading company where 
uh, we had gained physical access. And they, and they had told us, you know, it probably wouldn't be that hard to do some tailgating. Uh, but we went in, we tested all kinds of different uh, uh, door bypasses between, you know, shimming the, the lock with a shove knife to uh, bypassing some of the rec sensors as people, you know, exit the, the buildings. So we gained access after hours and uh, we plugged a couple of devices in and we ended up talking to the client the next day and, uh, you know, they said, yeah, we, well, we were sure you would probably get inside. That's why we have compensating controls to, to deal with that. You know, we have excellent visibility down to the port level. We have traffic profiles for every host on our network. So anytime something plugs in that isn't something that we've ever seen before, we, we immediately get alerted. So, you know, for them, they, they accepted part of the risk of having, you know, not so great physical security and, and, you know, their compensating control there was of course uh, better visibility and and the ability to react quickly anytime something new was plugged into the network okay makes sense um like shift gears uh, just uh, just a little bit um because something just occurred to me if and i, I don't know if this is something you're you you, you don't want to go into which is fine if you don't want to go into it but i'm curious what your thoughts are on what i i see as sort of a young and growing uh, industry of uh, the deception technology. I mean, so there's a few different players out there with, you know, selling deception, which is, you know, just an evolution of the concept of a honeypot. Um, but, you know, if when you guys are trying to break in, have you, in, in doing your red teaming, have you encountered a company that is using deception technology? I haven't run into any of the, the newer products that I've seen in the, the market over the last 18 months. Uh, what I have seen is some uh, decoy practices where you might have uh, honey accounts and honey credentials, uh, even honey documents uh, throughout the network. And so if any of those accounts or credentials are used or those documents hit, uh, those end up raising red flags. But I, I've not I've not encountered any specific uh, deception technologies like the ones that you're talking about. Okay. And, and I mean, and, and I think conceptually it's pretty much you know, the, the same, it's just a, you know, different, slightly different approach or maybe a broader approach to the same thing. But yeah, I mean, it's just the concept of having, you know, decoy servers and decoy applications and decoy credentials and decoy documents. And the idea being, uh, you know, no legitimate service or application or user. Um, yeah, thanks, Cortana. <laughs> um, that no legitimate uh, thing should be trying to connect to those or access those. And so basically any activity that you would see on the decoy is a red flag. It's a reason to at least look and it's a, a reason to at least look and see, uh, you know, what's, what's going on. Is there something that, you know, more insidious that you need to look into? Um, you know, so yeah, so it just, it, it just occurred to me. I was just wondering if you, know, you guys had ever encountered that. I'll, it leads me to a different question. Have you ever done a red team exercise or how often do you do red team exercises where the customer is actually so good, the blue team is actually so good that you don't get in? I would say there's always a level of success and it really kind of depends on how you've defined that with the client. You know, I would say every red team engagement has been successful in that in the end, the blue team is become a better blue team and better at their jobs and being able to defend their networks, you know, having gone up against us. 
Um, now, there's certainly times where we get caught, you know, for example, <laughs> uh, let's see, the same engagement where I was uh, uh, just before DEF CON at a financial institution, I was inside a network closet and I by bypassed a couple doors already. I was setting up shop. I was I just pulled my laptop out, got a seat, getting ready to plug in, and I hear the door lock uh, in, uh, disengage. I was like, uh-oh. Uh, and, and someone poked their head in, but they didn't see me initially because I was behind the rack. And then um, the, the door starts to close and then it swings wide open and he looks behind the rack and catches me. And sure enough, uh, you know, because they had that excellent, excellent visibility down to the network layer, they had caught some, some hosts that had plugged in uh, in a couple of other areas of the network. And so they started kind of hunting us down. Uh, through the building and found us in that closet, which that's great. You know, that right there demonstrated how well and how capable their incident response team was at being able to detect and and come after something that was obviously not right. Very cool. I mean, you know, it, it, when we when we spoke in uh, at RSA and you know, and and even as we're speaking now, I'm like, it sounds like a super fun job. <laughs> like it's, it's it sounds like the kind of thing that uh, would just be uh, awesome uh, you know a new experience every time uh, you know and and just you know really fun to try to to, to you know basically try to outsmart the uh, the customer uh, so you know uh, in a former life that would be something I'd love to do it, it is a lot of fun. I definitely uh, agree with you there uh, at times it's a bit stressful because you know you really are, uh, forced to think outside the box and be creative and improvise, and that's that's something that uh, you know, especially when you're dealing with you know brand new products that are rolling out new protections. You know, we're seeing things that have worked for years getting caught uh, every other day now. You know, so we're having to adapt uh, quickly as these the clients and also the software companies are getting better and adding in better protections. So I think uh, I think while it is a, an, an exciting and fun job, it is it's a very challenging one uh, in order to stay abreast of everything and really be on the cutting edge and, right. and you know monitoring those threat groups out there that you're supposed to be emulating. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, because I think you know you, there's a, there's a burden on you um, in order for, to to remain as valid and relevant as possible as an attacker. Uh, there's a burden on you to make sure that you're out there, you know, in the, you know, sort of hacker and malware forums, you know, keeping up on, you know, what's the latest exploit, what's the latest, you know, trying to, you know, you know, what are the emerging, you know, sort of zero day threats and stuff, because you need, you need to have those at your disposal, because the attack you did today, if you did it again a month from now, it might not really be that valid of an attack. Yeah, because ideally, uh, the blue team has learned from that test and implemented those controls <laughs> between the, the timing of those two events. Right. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, all very cool, very interesting. Like I said, I would, you know, that I, I, I envy you because it sounds like fun. I mean, I'm not uh, not taken away from how how hard it is uh, and and the challenges, but it sounds like the the good kind of challenge, like when you have a puzzle to solve. So uh, it, it's good stuff. And you know, looking at it from the customer side, um, I mean, I think that it's a it's a tremendous value to do uh, red teaming, blue teaming, purple teaming, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and to do that on a very regular basis, because again, just because you were quote unquote successful at 
um, at, at detecting or blocking or, or you know, responding to a red team attack today doesn't necessarily mean that you would also be successful next week or next month. And so if you know, if it's if it's a kind of assessment or the kind of exercise that you only do once a year, you know, yeah, that 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 gives you some helpful information. That's you know, it's 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 not it's it's better than nothing. Um, but that's still 364 other days that you don't really know whether your security posture is as good as you think it is. Exactly. Yep. I, I agree. And, uh, you know, we will do uh, continuous testing, you know, where uh, we have a contract for uh, anywhere from four to 12 months. And during that time, we can attack at any point in time without, you know, the client knowing, you know, it, it, part of it is based uh, on opportunity. And, and uh, part of it is just, uh, you know, you, it can be based on resourcing as well. Uh, but the, the nice thing is having that freedom in that window to be able to uh, attack and know that, you know, they should be operating at normal and be ready for it. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, uh, and like I said, it was, it was a very interesting uh, conversation. Um, I look uh, I, I look forward to possibly seeing you at RSA again next year. I just I just said a thing on, on Twitter earlier today because I got the notice to register for RSA, which I did. Um, but I was like, it's not even October. It's already, it's already time to <laughs> register for RSA. I know it's it's crazy, but yeah, I should be out there. Uh, come by iOasis again. That was it was great meeting you, and thank you very much for having me on the podcast today. All right, take care. Take care, Tony. Bye. I want to say thank you to IOActive for being a sponsor of TechSpective. IOActive is a trusted security advisor serving the Global 500 and enterprises around the world to help them safeguard their assets and improve their overall security posture. Uh, IOActive researchers and consultants engage in cutting-edge security research so that they can better understand how attackers think and the tools and exploits they use and then apply that knowledge to help secure and protect clients. You can show your support and learn more about IOActive by clicking the IOActive logo under Sponsors at the upper right of TechSpective, or you could visit IOActive online at ioactive.com. Thank you for listening. I hope that you uh, got some entertainment or education or, or some value out of uh, the time you invested listening to the podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would give me that feedback and let me know what you like and what you don't like, either in the comments, uh, on the on the blog post on TechSpective, or uh, review the uh, podcast in iTunes. Um, but regardless, uh, again, I just really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Thank you.